in your Bibles, Genesis chapter 49. I'm one of those people, man, that I am just big on structure. And so now that I'm back from taking a week off of being just lazy, um, I've been trying, this whole week was spent, you know, just trying to get back to it. And uh, this whole week was spent just trying to get back to it. And um, it's, been a, it's been a long week. But um, I'm excited about uh, what the Lord has put on uh, my heart. Brother Johnny, I'm about to switch over to this. Amen. We good to go? All right. Genesis chapter 49. Genesis chapter 49. Look at verse 22 of Genesis chapter 49. It says, Joseph is a fruitful bough, even a fruitful bough as well, by a well, which branch, whose branches run over the wall. The archers have sorely grieved him and shot at him and hated him, but his bow abode in strength, and the arms of his hands were made strong by the hands of the mighty God of Jacob. From thence is the shepherd, the stone of Israel, even by the God of, the father, of thy father, who shall help thee, and by the Almighty, who shall bless thee with blessings of heaven above, blessings of the deep that lieth under, blessings of the beast, of the breast, excuse me, and of the womb, the blessings of thy father have prevailed above, have prevailed, excuse me, um, above the blessings of my uh, progenitors unto the utmost bound of the everlasting hills. They shall be on the head of Joseph and on the crown of the head of him that was separate from his brothers. What I want to do today is I want to talk to you about what it looks like for you when God has his hand on you. What does that look like? Because you have two groups of people in this room. You have, a, you have half the, you, there's a, a group of people in here who um, they're in there, they're trying to do their thing, and they're trying to grow, and they're trying to find direction. But then there's the other group of people where God is actually involved in their life. And someone who, where God is involved in their life, they live a completely different way. They reap completely different rewards. They are in a completely different caliber than the people in group one. I don't want you to answer this out loud, but I want you to think in your mind, does God have his hand on you? Does God have his hand on you? And of course, the word says that, you know, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Once you became a child of God, God is with you. His Holy Spirit is with you, the great comforter that the Bible talks about. He'll never leave you, but does he have his hand on you? What does that look like? And Joseph is a fantastic example of what it looks like when God has his hand on you. Jacob also was the same way. When Jacob was working for the hand um, of Rachel, what we found out was that everything that he touched um, in Laban's house was blessed. The same thing happened for Joseph. Everything that happened in Joseph's house Potiphar didn't even want Joseph to go because Joseph was someone who was completely um, and utterly, you can tell that God's hand was on him. And so I want to give you just four things to look for, four things to look for um, about what, what it looks like when God has his hand on you and I'm hoping that it will be a blessing for you. All right? All right. So number one, when God has his hand on you, your life is fruitful. When God has his hand on you, your life is fruitful. Um, here in uh, verse 22, Joseph is a fruitful bow, and even a fruitful bow by a well whose branches run over the wall. 
We talked about how in uh, Psalms chapter 1, it talks about how you don't want to be, you want to be the kind of person who is like planted by a river of water, right? And trees that are planted by water have good soil, and because they have good soil, they have healthy branches, and they're a healthy tree, and they, pro they produce good fruit. And so it says, man, Joseph is healthy, right? Joseph is planted by a well, and, he's, and he is someone who was bringing forth fruit in his life. How can you tell when God's hand is on someone, there is fruit in their lives? Now, let me give you an asterisk. Good tidings does not mean that God's hand is on you. Does that make sense? Just because things are going good does not mean that God is in it. There's a difference, right? There's a difference in it. And we're going to talk about that um, a little bit. But someone who is growing in God and is growing close to him will bring forth great fruit. We found out that Joseph was special from his youth. Joseph was special from his youth. God had his hand on him. He had the dreams that his parents would be subject to him. He had dreams that his brothers would be subject to him. He getting the coat of many colors from his dad, being chosen by Potiphar to be the head of his house, chosen to be the pharaoh over all of Israel. So Joseph was someone who, uh, who you could see the fruit on his life. But when someone is close to God, there is incredible activity in their lives as evidence. There is incredible. What I want to do, y'all, is I'm trying to get so close to God that you get by me and get blessed too. I want, I want, I want, I want it to be to where uh, my cup is running over so much that that the people who are, are are blessed by it, and you can see that in in the Bible when people uh, were walking with God and they were people who were living fruitful lives. What you were finding out about them was that the people around them were also getting blessed. See, what you have to understand, number one, is that your testimony does not just include you. It reflects God. But likewise, when that testimony does reflect God, you see all the areas of your life begin to change as far as the elements of fruit go. Here's the question. The Bible says, by your fruits you shall know them. Is there fruit from your life? Is there fruit from your life? If you're in Sunday school, <clears throat> which you should be, hey, in Sunday school we're talking, we're working through the book of Proverbs. And today we were just talking about how uh, how Solomon is telling his child, I want you to be able to have wisdom, right? And he says, man, if you will just take this wisdom, it's going to be something that's going to help you to grow and be blessed in the future. How wisdom is a shield or a buckler uh, for those that walk down the path of God. And here's the truth, man. You're trying to be someone uh, that's trying to grow closer to God. The fruit of your life is very, very evident. When God has his hand on somebody, you know it. You know it. It's not just based on material things. You can tell that all around them, you start to see that they can, they're used to do great things, and they are, they're able to teach and reach and, 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 and touch people's lives. When God has his hand on someone, it's mistaken. So if you're in this room right now and you're saying, I don't know if God has his hand on me, I would encourage you to do two things. Number one, check your heart and make sure that you're in right standing with him. Number two, you may have God's hand on you, on you and you may not, you may not even realize it, but here's one of the best ways to have God's hand on you and to see the fruit is to do what God wants you to do. I want you to think about this. What's the calling on your life? What is it that you believe God wants you to be doing with yourself? The Bible says that as your desires become God's desires, he gives you the desires of your heart, right? And if you're walking on the good path, which we're talking about, which we talked about in Sunday school today, you walk down that good path, what's going to happen? God's going to preserve that path. He's going to preserve the people on that path. You make a lot less mistakes when you're walking on the path that God has you. And consequently, there's going to be fruit from your life because of it. Is there fruit from your life? 
is there fruit from your life? You got to be consistent. Anybody in here garden? You like to garden maybe? You ever, anyone ever gardened before or plant stuff? Okay, so you notice that what do you have to do with those, with those plants? You got to be consistent with those plants, right? You got to be consistent with that food. You have to be consistent with it. You have to go out there and water it. You have to go out there and, and you know, make sure that the soil is right. You got to make sure the weeds stay down. It takes a lot of work and maintenance, but if you will keep that, you'll get some fruit from that. You'll get some fruit from it. But what happens if you go two or three days without watering that plant and you allow the weeds to grow up around that plant? What's it, what it's going to do? It's going to choke it. It's going to choke the fruit. It's going to mess it all up. And see, the, matter, the, the truth of the matter is that many of us don't see fruit in our lives because we're not consistent. We're not consistent. Are you consistent? The Bible says that you're supposed to spend, um, be in prayer without ceasing. You're supposed to spend time with God on a consistent basis. And if you're not working on building a consistent walk with God, you will not see consistent fruit. If I plant a seed today, am I going to have a tomato tomorrow? No. It's going to take some time. It's going to take some time. Many Christians, they plant the seed, and they're wanting a tomato to be, on the, be there in the garden tomorrow. And if it's not, you're just done with the plant. That's, that's how your walk is. You, you want to see, you really want to see earnest growth and you want to see earnest development. But what happens is you don't allow time enough to, to see that growth. And you get off on the path and you do your own thing and you stray from where God wants you to be. And then you wonder why there's no fruit. And if God, if you're not doing things God's way, the way that God wants you to do it, he is not going to bless it. He's not going to bless it. Am I saying that God is the only way? No, I'm saying that God is the best way. Because I've done it before. It's time for me to be extra again. So here I go. If I want to just walk down back toward that back door, then I can just walk down. You know, I'm following the path. But what do we start doing? Taking detours. Hi, Mrs. Seal. How are you? Love you. Hey, JJ. Look, I'm this, the most, right? I'm just walking through. I'm just walking through this. And I'm just, how y'all doing? Welcome. It's good to see you. I'm Pastor Xavier. I'm extra. Don't mind me. All right? And you start, we start doing all kinds of weird stuff. You know what I'm saying? And we start trying to, I almost fell. All right? We start trying to do all, and we go around these pathways, and we're doing all this extra stuff. And the best way to get to the door would have been what, church? Someone talk to me. Walk straight. Are you practicing what you're preaching? Why are you trying to preach my message to me? Do you do that? Are you just walking straight? See, you, God, God wants to see fruit, wants you to have fruit in your life, and he wants you to grow, and he wants you to be fruitful like Joseph is. But one of the best indicators that someone has God's hand on them is that their life is fruitful, and your life will be fruitful as you walk accordance into what God wants you to do. Number two, how do you know that your God has his hand on you? Verse 22 Joseph is a fruitful bow, even a, a fruitful bow by a well whose branches run over the wall. Number two, others are blessed by your fruit. How do you know that, how do you know that God hands on, God's hand is on you? Others are blessed by your fruit. How do people value your company? How do people value your company? What kind of spiritual influence are you around the people um, in your life? Because listen to me, I know a handful of people and, I, and, and that, are, that are just uh, crazy. I'm thinking about my buddy Sam right now. And my buddy Sam is actually going through some stuff, but he is one of the godliest men I have ever met. One of the godliest men that I've ever met. But what you find out is that I just want to be able to just glean off of what he's got going on. Right? And we find out that when 
Jacob was working for Laban, that, uh, that, that his house was blessed, and Joseph is working for Potiphar, his house is blessed. When you are walking with God and when God has his hand on you, you are someone who is going to be able to let people glean off of what you've got going on. As a product, as you produce fruit as a child of God, you extend fruit to others. Think about this. There's a man, his name was Glenn Riggs. He's from Marmaduke, Arkansas. Glenn Riggs got the call to the ministry and left the life that he was living. He did that. He went through some hardships and he went through some trials. He went through some tribulations, but he went ahead and persevered and prospered and, 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 and God, you know, had him fortify his ministry. Then a family came to his church when he moved to, um, to Orlando, and their names were the Carringers. And the Carringers came to the church, and they got involved with the church, and they got, you know, they, uh, they, uh, they had two boys, Michael and Rex, and they were there, and they were two young boys in the youth department, and they grew up. Well, then Michael ended up running the youth department. And somewhere around 14 years later, a young man named Xavier Small joined that youth department. And was, and was growing and, and cultivated through him and, and got some great discipleship, and now here I am. I firmly believe that Glenn, my, my, uh, my ability to be here today was based on Glenn, way back there in 1960-something, his obedience to God. What am I trying to say? I'm trying to say that you don't even know who the people are in your life that need you. There are people that you are going to cross paths with that you will that you will cross paths with, that you, that you may change their lives. You may be the conduit, right? You may be the conduit. You may be the corridor that they walk down because of it. Church, you know that I've been privileged to lead dozens, if not hundreds, of people to the Lord. A lot of people I've led to the Lord because of Glenn. And I would hope that I will stand before God one day, Brother Gary, and stand before God, and he will show me the legions of people who came after me who were blessed and who got to know and come to know the Lord because I was faithful. Are you faithful? Because when you're faithful, you're going to find out that your fruit, the fruit of your life is going to be something that other people can benefit from. As a child of God, you've got to stop thinking, it's all about me, it's all about me, it's all about me. It's not. The future is contingent upon whether or not you are obedient to God or not. Now, let me say this also. If you don't do the work, then God will put somebody else in your spot. But wouldn't you be glad that you did it? Wouldn't you, be glad that, wouldn't you be glad that God used you? I mean, God could have raised somebody up other than Joseph. He could have used one of his other brothers. He could have used somebody other than Jacob to bless Laban's house. But he used Jacob. He used Joseph. I want God to use me so that I'm not interested in the fruit of my ministry because I want to see the numbers quantify. I want to see the fruit of my ministry so that God can be glorified with me. Because let me remind you of this. As you pursue God, he takes care of the other stuff. And so the reason why you're ducking out on ministry is because you're too busy, you need to free yourself up. If the reason why you're not spending time with God the way that you're supposed to is because stuff is going on, you need to free yourself up. If you're not serving or whatever, you're, you're stepping back from church or whatever because of whatever's going on, you need to free yourself up. Why? Because seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. What does that mean? Putting God first is actually putting you first. Putting God first is what's putting you first. There are Christians all over the world who are putting God on the back burner of their lives because they're busy. Child, I know you're busy. 
We're all busy. But what I'm trying to say is if you put God first, he will fill in the outline for you. God provides for your need. He said, I'm Jehovah Jireh, believe it. I'm Jehovah Rapha, believe it. You don't believe it. That's why you're taking life into your own hands, and that's why you're not seeing any fruit. You hearing me, church? You really want to see fruit from your life and be able to do what you want to do with your life and see God work in your life? Start putting him first for once. I know you're tired. Get up and go. I know you're tired. Spend some time on your Bibles. I know you're tired, but get involved in ministry. And you may say, Pastor, you're asking a whole lot um, of me. First off, your walk is not contingent upon mine. So whether y'all are here or not, I'm going to be serving. Whether you're here or not, I'm going to be spreading time in the Word. Whether you're here or not, I'm going to be spending time in prayer. Whether you're here or not, I will be here on Saturday. Whether you're here or not, I will be here next Saturday. If I, whether you're here or not, it doesn't matter what happens. My walk is about me. So don't think that it's like, oh, pastor just wants me to get in here and get involved. He doesn't care if I'm tired. He doesn't care if I'm busy. He doesn't care that I got blah, 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 blah. Anything worth having is going to be inconvenient. Anything worth having is going, to, is going to require effort and work. If you're wanting for things to happen for you conveniently, it rarely happen. And that's why you're in church every six months, because you finally got a day off, right? If you're waiting for convenience, and convenience will come in time, but there will be no consistency, none. And if there's no consistency, there's no fruit. Why? Because you ain't watering nothing. You want God's hand, you want God's hand on you, then great. But you have to understand that, it, that evidence of that is going to be that your life is, is fruitful. Not just for you, but for the people around you, for the things that you touch, for the ministries that you're a part of. You have to make sure that you understand that that's going to require you to put yourself second sometimes. It's going to require you to put yourself second sometimes. Number three, how do you know that God's hand on you? Number one, your life is fruitful. Number two, Others are blessed by your fruit. Number three, curveball. Expect a series of difficult times. Expect a series of difficult times. JJ, come here. Hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. This is JJ, y'all. I love you, JJ. All right, JJ, what I'm going to do is you're going to be a Christian, right? <laughs> you're going to be a Christian, JJ. Can y'all see JJ all right? We're pretty short. Can y'all see? All right. We'll walk across the front. All right, so JJ, what's going to happen is you're, what you're going to do right now is you're going to live a life that's not going to be pretty honoring to God, all right? We're going um, to skip church a bunch. We're going to not have any, uh, we're not going to have any time in our Bible or prayer. We're going to get involved in alcohol and drugs. We're going to get involved with a whole bunch of stuff. We're just going to get right and just all up in the stuff, right? We're going to be in those, in those scenes where stuff is happening, we're going to do some drugs, it's going to be great, all right? So I'm the devil, all right, and we're walking. We're having a great time. Woo, we enjoying this. Woo-hoo, having a great time. But somewhere along the lines, Brother Mike, I want you to run up here. Come on, hurry up. Hurry up. Hurry up, 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 hurry up. All right, stop at the beginning of the aisle. There you go. Brother Mike, we're walking, and we're walking toward you, and somewhere along the line, Michael is going to have an encounter, or not Michael, sorry, JJ is going to have an encounter with the Holy Spirit. Shake hands with the Holy Spirit. And he's going to convict him of the life that's not honoring and glorifying to God. And the Holy Spirit, whether it be through a person, uh, through the word, through prayer, through a church service, shh, all that stuff is going on. Whether it, whatever happens, it's an encounter. He 
gets convicted, and then what ends up happening? He says, I'm going to go ahead and repent, all right? The word repent means to stop, about face, and go the other way. So the whole time, who's JJ been walking with this whole time? Someone tell me. Shout it out. The devil, right? Been walking with the devil. All right? So what happens? Now he has an, an encounter with the Holy Spirit, and now the Holy Spirit is walking with him. Put your arm around him, Mike. But now what's he doing? Now who's he standing against? Do you know that when you walk with God, when you walk with the world and according to the world and all that stuff happens, when you finally decide to start doing it right, you're going to turn around and you're going to walk head on into difficulty. Which means it's going to start, you just, the moment you decide you're going to start reading your Bible more, you're going to get busier. The moment you decide you're going to start trying to get up for Sunday school, you're going to start being too tired to get up. The moment you start trying to administer changes in your life, you now put yourself head on with what you were walking with in the first place. And it's going to be difficult for you. Thank you, fellas. You can go have a seat. What I'm trying to tell you is this, is that when you become a child of God, right, you are now walking against the stuff that was holding you back. And by the way, I know I talked about sin, but it's not always sin, church. Sometimes it's going to be weights. The Bible says, run your race with patience, your race. <clears throat> run your race with patience, right? And set aside the sin and the weight which does so easily beset you. So it's not always going to be sin, but it may be people that's holding you back and places that's holding you back and things that you are doing that's holding you back. And once you turn around, you're going to be walking straight ahead right into those things. Now you're swimming upstream. And it's going to be difficult. It's going to spur difficult times. A good reason, a good indication that you are, God has his hand on you is that you're going through it. You're going through it. God, I'm do, Asaph said in his psalm, God, I'm doing right by you. I'm serving you. I'm, being, I'm doing what I've got to do. I'm, I'm trying to grow in you, and I'm trying to do all the things that you said because that's been you, right? God, I went to church, and God, I prayed, and God, I did all this other stuff. I served, and I'm still going through it. What if your perception of how it is is wrong? What if, the way that you've been, what if the way that you've been approaching your trials is wrong? What if the way that you've been looking at everything is wrong? What if the reason that you're actually going through it is because you're going against the grain? If anything, again, anything that's worth having is going to be hard to do. You think being a Christian is easy? It's not. It requires you being intentional. It requires you spending time out of your busy day to pray. It involves you trying to go against your nature. I'm naturally a, uh, a pretty mean person, if you haven't been able to tell. I actually, I'm, I'm a very no-nonsense individual. I, I really am. And because of that, naturally I, I, you know, with people. And what, that, what, what does that mean? That I have to work on me continually. I have to work. Anybody here got to work on themselves? You got stuff in your life that you just got to work on to be a better person? Yeah, because going against your natural self is not going to be an easy task. Romans 1 talks about all the stuff that we are in, in contrast to God. It's normal. You're going against who you naturally are because the spirit is uh, willing, but the flesh is what, church? It's weak. But I want to warn you up front, if you're going to go ahead and take on the mantle of trying to walk with God, expect opposition. Expect opposition. How does it come, man? It comes in the, in the form of your work schedule being a more crazy, and you told your boss you want a Sunday's off, but they scheduled you anyway. It's going to come in the form of your family and friends who, who you said loved you, but they 
don't support you going to church as often as you do or changing the way that you are uh, as a child of God and, and, and not doing the stuff that you used to be doing is going to come in the form of temptations. There's going to be opposition in your life. But when God has his hand on you, that's something that's normal. What are you going to do with it, though? What are you going to do with it? I mean, when God has his hand on you, there's going to be a, a whole host of different things that happen. Expect giants to be in your promised land. Expect waves to be enough to capsize the boat. Expect to have problems with loved ones or financial burdens. Expect trying of your patience. Expect things to show up. Because listen to this. Listen to this, church. Wherever God shows up, the devil will show up also. J.J. was standing right here between two entities, the Holy Spirit and the devil. Was that on accident? No. No. Because I don't, I, uh, the, devil, the devil, his forces, the flesh, all that stuff, they didn't want J.J. to, to grow. They didn't want J.J. to be the child of God that he wants him to be. So he's going to try and fight, and, and, and there's going to be a tug of war for a little while. By the way, the inner struggle to do right and to do wrong is one of the biggest indicators of your walk with God. If you're struggling, you're supposed to be. But may I remind you that strength is not the absence of weakness. It's overcoming it. May I remind you that being brave is not the absence of fear. It's overcoming it. You're going to have to be the kind of person that realizes up front that this is going to be difficult, but I have to be intentional about my faith. I have to walk with God, listen to me, y'all, on purpose. It is not going to be easy. And the trials definitely will come in all kinds of shapes and forms. But you don't fight that battle by yourself. You don't. See, J.J. was walking about faith, and he, and he was walking right headlong to the devil. But who did he have on his side that time? He had the spirit on his side, which is all the help he needed. Who in this room right now, I don't want you to answer out loud, but which one of y'all are giving up? Which one of y'all are just succumbing to the ways of your flesh and the ways of the world because you've given up, because life got hard for you, because things got difficult, because trials started coming your way, and so you took all the things that you knew and all the things that you had and all the work that you used as a child of God, you took all that stuff and you threw it out the window because life got difficult for me. It's supposed to. It's supposed to. That's how you get better. You go to the gym. Listen to me, I don't like to run. I don't, I don't run. We got a new dog. Um, her name is Sage. She's cute. She's too playful, but she's cute, right? Husky Lab, she's a lot. I got her on my bike, and my bike is trash, y'all. It has six gears, but it really only has one. It's not. <laughs> and it's the hard one, so I'm pedaling that joint. I haven't rode a bike in a long time, so I'm like, oh, my thighs are killing me. Sage is just loving it. She's just pacing herself easily. It's no problem to her. But in order to get better at something, it's going to require training. That's why people who run like 5Ks or 10Ks, they have different methods in the way that they train themselves to do it, right? They start off with walking a mile. Then they start running a mile. Then they start running a mile and a half. They start in increasing it. As you do those things, that's how you get stronger. You want to be a strong Christian without any of the work. That's foolish. You have to expect it to be difficult. You have to, be ex you have to expect it to get to be harder. But too many Christians, it's like you, 
we, we get to the place where we start finally facing some hard times. We get into a storm, and I've seen it over and over and over again where children of God have just let everything that they've known and been, been used to and grown with go because life got hard. It's not going to stop getting hard. It's not going to stop. If you're, if, you're, if, you're, if you're the person in the room right now that's saying, when it finally gets easier, when it finally gets better, I'll get back. First off, you're a circumstantial Christian. Sorry to be all up in your business, but I'm going to get in your business. You're a circumstantial Christian. You have no strength. Why do you have no strength? Because you just want to be there when it's good. It's easy to say, praise God. It's easy to get up in here and cry holy. It's easy to get up in here and, and really praise him when times are good. But that's not when it matters. It matters when you're in the valley and it's dark and all the light you had before was gone and all you have is a little, is a little lantern guiding one step at a time. That's when your faith matters. That's when I want to see what you got going on. If you're like, yeah, man, I just got married. We're about to start the baby ministry, right? All this other stuff going on and things are just going great for you. I'm glad for you, but it doesn't hold any weight to me. I'm glad you're prospering. I'm glad you're growing. I'm glad there's growth. But when it really matters is if you keep that same energy when times get harder. Because difficulties will come. Are you prepared for them? Because if you're not prepared for the difficulties, what's going to happen? You're going to watch your walk with God suffer. And you know what's funny? Whenever time gets tough, you ever notice that when somebody gets sick, They'll call, they won't come to church, but they'll call out of work. They, they'll go to work still. And you may say, well, that's paying my bills. Yeah, you're right. But what I'm saying is usually when we need to cut stuff, God is the person to go. Which is crazy because he's the most vital piece. As a child of God, your walk with God and, and, and all of that is going to be the heartbeat of your life. You start removing that, you're going to spiritually decline. You know what I'm talking about, right? Because when you walk away from God, you notice that you start doing some things. So let me tell you this. Xavier at his root is not a very good person. He's not. If you would have told 17 me, that 28-year-old me was going to be a pastor of a church in Pine Hills, you would have got cussed out because that's where I was in life. And I noticed that nat the natural me is an angry person. The natural me struggles repeatedly with bitterness over different things that happened in my childhood. The, the old me is not patient. The old me is contentious. The old me is, is confrontational. And what happens? When I start letting my walk go, guess who starts to come back up? The angry me. The, the bitter me. The, 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 non, the illogical me. The, the one who, who is contentious. The, the confrontational me. The one who does not exemplify Christ. And if you're anything like me, listen to me. I've been saved since 2004. I've been ordained in the ministry uh, for two years now. I've been a licensed minister for five years. And guess what happened? All those credentials, and I can still see the old man raise up every chance he gets. You don't arrive. It doesn't, he doesn't ever stop trying. You have to be aware of that already. But here's the good news. If you're the kind of person that has thrown in the towel, the towel is still there for you to pick up. The good news is that if you're someone who's walked away from God, the good news is that uh, uh, he's still there waiting for you to come back. And listen to me. I, I know I've mentioned church a lot, but church is not even, I want you to be here, but that's not even the most important part of your walk. 
By the way, on Sunday nights, we're working through our church etiquette series. And we're talking about how to be a, the best member of the church that you can be. And someone raise your hand and answer me. Have we even started talking about the physical church yet? Nope. Because your contribution to the spiritual church is way more important. I would rather you not be here but be getting yourself right than to just be here and just, you know what I'm saying? Now, the more chords you add, right, to your, to your, the more strands you add to your cord, the stronger you will become. But it's a cause and effect kind of situation. If, it, if the word is, if it's saturated in your heart to get as close to God as you can, then you'll find coming to church more important to you. But it's important for you to realize that the difficulties are going to come. But even if you're someone who has walked away, it's not too late. It's not too late for you to get it all right. God's hand can be on you, but you still have work to do. You'll still have work to do. And there are some things that you have to have a handle on in order to grow to the capacity that God has you in. Does anyone in here say that, Pastor, I want to be I want God to have his hand on me. Anyone like that? I want his hand to be on me. I want him to be, I want to see fruit from my life. I want others to be blessed with the fruit. I want to be able to navigate through the difficult times. I'm going to give you three things that you can, real quickly, and then we're going home, that you can add to your life that is going to help you get God's hand on you. Are you ready? Number one, what do you do? How do you, you want to work on getting God's hand on you. You want to work on being right there and, and being and get the, the benefits that come with that. Number one, abide in strength. Abide in strength. I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. Anyone know that verse? But how many of y'all actually know the context of that, of that passage? Do you know why Paul said that? Because in the previous verses, Paul was going through it. Paul was going through it. At that time, Paul had a thorn in the flesh. He said, Lord, remove this thorn from my flesh. And God said, no, three times. But nay, my grace is sufficient for you, and my strength is made perfect in weakness. And it is after that that Paul says, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. How does that apply to you? You want to be able to see God's hand on you? You got to start getting strong. But not in your own strength, his. The supernatural kind. See, in a room this size, I don't doubt that there's some Christians in here. That's not strong. That's not strong. I was looking at, of course, you guys know that I'm in grad school. I'm studying clinical mental health therapy. Um, Going to be a licensed therapist after this is all done. But we're working on a theory. We looked at a theory last week, and the theory was talking about how ultimately it's existential theory, uh, existential theory, uh, theory. And what that talks about is life is basically based on your being, how, how you are, how you navigate through your life. But the theorist said this. The theorist said people in regards to death look at death in two aspects. Number one, they talked about the fact that, uh, uh, that they either will look for a special exception to death or they have an ultimate rescuer. Who does that sound like it applies to? A special exemption from death. What do we believe? That there's an afterlife, right? That after you, uh, you'll spend eternity somewhere. And that if you come to know Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, then heaven's your home, right? But ultimately, there's an ultimate rescuer. Church, who's our ultimate rescuer? Jesus. Amen. Something about that name, right? 
But here's what he said about that theory. You ready for this? This was so profound because even though I believe that that theory is very humanistic and that it doesn't apply to me at all, he said something that is really, really, really true. He said the problem with special exception and the problem with an ultimate rescuer is that they have a tendency to dissipate when times get hard. Church and atheist said that. The problem with, an ulti- with the special exep- exception and the, and, the, and the ultimate rescuer is that they have a tendency to dissipate. They no longer have their faith in it, their belief in it. They walk away from it when times get hard. And I was shaking my head because I know that many times for me that was the case. Coming up, times got tough and I walked away. Times got tough and I stopped praying. Times got tough and I put the word away. Times got tough and I got out of church. Times got tough and I put away my mentors because that's what we do. And I, had to, I was reading that, and I had to check myself. I'm like, Xavier, you got to make sure that that's not you. That's not you. How many times have y'all thrown your walk down just to pick it back up again? Hmm? You got to learn to abide in strength. You have to learn to abide in strength. That's why it's important to know what God says about you. This verse is used so much, but it's true. It's not our strength that helps us grow and endure trials. It's the fact that God and his strength is exactly what we need. If you want to see God's hand on you, you got to learn to abide in, in strength. Why? Because abiding in strength is going to make you consistent. The first is coming up, which is bills time, right? And right now, we're set up to have all of our bills paid. We're set up. We try to put money away, every paycheck, into a separate account. We don't touch it as much as we can. And... We, and that account is where all of our bills money goes. Most of my check, but it happens, right? So we do that, and those bills get paid. But guess what happens, church? If push comes to shove, and maybe we come to an emergency, and it fries our entire savings account, and we can't pay our bills, God is still on the throne. And you may say, Pastor, that's easier said than done. No, 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 I've been there too. So I, can, I, I understand. What I'm saying is that you got to get accustomed to being strong when you're in the valley and when you're on the mountaintop. You can't just be strong when times are good. That's not strength. You don't need to pedal too much when you're going downhill. You got to make sure that you learn to abide in strength. That's going to create a consistent Christian, and that's going to create someone who is actively growing and can really see the work that God does when he has his hand on you. Number two, you have to abide in humility. You have to abide in humility. Verse 24, it says, But his bow abode in strength, and the arms of his hands were made strong by the hands of the mighty God of Jacob. I think it's funny that he's used him in that situation. The God of Jacob, they were in similar situations. Very similar. You got to be humble about your life, about your circumstances, which means two things. When times get when times are easy for you, you make sure God gets the glory. When times get tough, you got to stop taking things into your own hands. Because what if I were to tell you that taking stuff into your own hands is an element of pride? I can do better than God can do. You got to make sure that you abide in strength. You got to make sure that you abide in humility. His bow, his bow abode in strength and his arms of his hands were made strong, not by his hands, but by the hands of the mighty God. You got to make sure that you get that taken care of. And number three, you have to abide in his promises. 
We have to abide in his promises. Listen to you. Listen to me. I, I, it's tough. It's scary. It's scary. It really is. Being a child of God is, is scary sometimes because you're trusting someone you can't see to navigate you through the darkness where you can't see either. But let me ask you this. How many times did you walk away from Christ because it wasn't working for you and things got better for you? How many times did you walk away and it got better? What you did was you took the only light you had and threw it away. So, yeah, you may make your way after you run into trees and branches and roots and stub your toe and step on rocks and find a coyote or two. And you're going to have to learn to abide in strength, to be humble about your life, and abide in the promises of God. By the way, if you're not spending any time in the Word, you have no idea what those promises are. You don't know what those promises are. God wants to have his hand on you so that you can see fruit of your life and others can be blessed by your fruit. But that's not going to happen if you're not working toward growing in that relationship with God. you got to get that strength up. Be humble and make sure that, you're, that you have a, those promises down pat because what happens if I understand that giving my anxieties over to Christ is going to get me peace, that's a promise. And so I can know when life tries to make me anxious, I can just let God take care of it. And ultimately, I grow closer to him in that way. Because you're gonna, some of y'all are going to walk out of this room, and life's going to be tough. It's going to be back to your struggles and your trials and your tribulations. What are you going to do with it? It's going to determine what kind of Christian you are. If you want God's hand on you, the ball's in your court. Would you bow your head and close your eyes?